Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I'm Seth Greenberg, Falkley Challenge. Jay Billis is wearing a hat for a reason. I am really excited about this. Uh, Jay and I, we, we talked about this. We, you know, unprecedented. Six new coaches in a league, and which is amazing. And in a league that last year maybe was the best league in college basketball. So, uh, I, you know, I'm really, really excited about this conversation. Todd Gold, obviously, new head coach at Florida. Lamont Paris, new head coach at USC. So, guys, first and foremost, welcome uh, to Bald Men on Campus. Obviously, you guys are not as challenged as we are, but <laughs> you never know. Things happen. I used to not think I, I didn't need glasses, and I need glasses. So, things happen. Don't celebrate too soon. Because wow. uh, you're coaching in a pretty tough league if you haven't found out. It. You might have your hair, but it could go gray. Uh, real quickly, I mean, everything happens really quickly when you take over a job. The last six weeks, two months uh, for both you guys. Uh, what has it been like? What did you really try to – in that first month to six weeks, what, what were your goals and what did you want to try to accomplish? Go on, you want to take that? I'll go first. <laughs> I'll take that one. Uh, no, I think, you know, for me specifically, uh, the two most important things for me, number one, was hiring a great staff making sure I had great people around me uh, that, that could help, you know, in terms of pulling the same direction and align with the same goals that we had for our program. And then secondly, uh, in, in two different forms, was making sure that we kept the people in the program from a student athlete standpoint that we wanted to, like, that we thought were really important and that we're really excited about being here at Florida. And then obviously adding student athletes to the team, uh, whether they were freshmen or, you know, from the transfer portal to kind of plug some holes and fill out our roster. But really those two specific things have been the main focus for us here at Florida over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, before I start, I'll tell you, Seth, I, I use a two guard on my hair. I almost <laughs> just, I almost took it down to a zero guard just for the podcast, but <laughs> I appreciate the hands of that. I thought, I thought about it better of it at the last second, but uh, um, yeah, same, same deal. I, I think the first thing, the, the landscape has changed so much when you take over a job, there's going to be so much movement uh, in your roster. So roster management has become a, a, a whole nother thing. And so uh, I think right away, I wanted to uh, connect with the guys on the team and see what was happening with who wanted to go, not try to talk anyone into staying that wanted to leave. They're looking for their best uh, situation. And so that was a big part. And then you just hit the ground trying to, you know, I always say it's like, it's like speed dating. Uh, uh, you're it's a hundred uh, with 150 kids at the same time. And that, that number is about the same, but three guys will be out and then two more guys are in and two more guys are out. Then three more guys are in. And you're always working with about a hundred kids, 150 kids. But uh, so that was a big, the biggest part for me was just, uh, I brought most of my staff here. So that, that, that was a little easier for me there, but uh, yeah, just, just diving into this, uh, recruiting transfer portal and, and just getting as uh, uh, it's, it's a full-time deal, just that aspect of it. As both of you guys have moved up in the business and had great success at your last stops, you know, it, it, it can seem to some like the decision to leave and take a new job has to be made really quickly and everything moves fast. And, and I'm sure it does, but, but as you were both at, at Chattanooga and San Francisco respectively, did, did you have a list of, of jobs that you would move for or, or was it more that you would just take whatever came your way and evaluate each one that came your way? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, you know, you get so entrenched in what you're doing and you're excited about building 
your program and, and then enjoying the fruits of your labor. And so it was, it wasn't like I had a specific list of teams. Um, I, I grew up in the Midwest and in, in primarily big 10 territory and I migrated down to sec and, and some ACC type territory. So I did, once I got down here, I, I realized that, that my opportunities were probably going to be more linked to, to this region than they would be uh, back where I started my, my uh, career. But, uh, but yeah, it was more just evaluated as it comes. And, and there were some that, that, you know, and I, and I'm sure Todd's in the same position, some come across that you, you know, you, you are flattered to have interest and, but uh, just weren't the right situation for you. And then when one does come, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, and the people are the right people and the resources are the right resources. Then I, then I think you have to, to, to jump at those. Yeah, it's uh, this being my first time really in, uh, you know, obviously got the head job at San Francisco, but I was already there. And so it wasn't something where I had to move or or make any big decisions. This this time was obviously a lot different. And, uh, you know, I thought if there were going to be opportunities, they would most likely be on the West Coast for me, uh, you know, obviously being at San Francisco for the last six years. Uh, but really that that key thing, obviously making the NCAA tournament, you know, and obviously doing it for the first time in 24 years in San Francisco I think opened up a lot of opportunities for me and in Florida, uh, you know, none of us knew that it would be an option to be honest. You know, Mike obviously takes the Georgia job on selection Sunday and uh, transparently when this job became available, uh, I, I told my agent at the, I was like, Hey, you know, if, if there's some way we can get involved there, I would love to, you know, take a swing at that and see what happens. And uh, you know, I obviously spent two years with Bruce at, at Auburn, you know, back in 2016 or whatever it was. And uh, just being down here in Gainesville a little bit competing twice in the O-Dome uh, I always thought of this as being a great place. And so, uh, you know, better to be lucky than good sometimes. And obviously built a great relationship with Scott very quickly. And uh, yeah, th this is where I wanted to be for sure. And I was just really fortunate that it happened this way. When you guys take jobs or when you go through the press, I have a saying, everyone needs a mentor. Everyone needs someone to invest in them and that they can literally uh, bounce things off. I had Terry Holland. He was my mentor. I never made a major decision in my life, basically, without running it by him. Who were the guys that you went to to say like, all right, here's where we're at. What do you think? Uh, and help guide you through not just, I guess, this process, but the process to get to this point. Yeah, for, for me, uh, you know, it was the two guys that I played for, you know, Randy Bennett and Kyle Smith specifically, uh, guys that I've, have been my mentors really since I was 17 years old <laughs> that had coached me and have been a very important part of uh, my growth and maturation, both as a coach and a person. And so I bounced a lot off them and, and Bruce as well, you know, to be honest, he had a, uh, just has great relationships down here in the South. And, you know, one of the administrators that hired him at Auburn is down here at Florida now, Jay Jacobs, and he was an important piece yeah. in this whole process. So uh, those, those three guys, obviously, you know, Kyle and, and Randy are, are one group. Bruce is the exact opposite type of person. You know, they're like, the crazy uncles on both sides of the family, uh, but you can get you can get a very good perspective and, and kind of a different viewpoint from those guys. And so uh, I thought that they uh, would be able to, and, and they really did provide me great insight kind of getting through the process. Yeah, this it's been a lot of guys for me. Uh, this is my 26th year of coaching college basketball at some way, shape or form. And so uh, uh, 
obviously I work for Bo Ryan, who's the Hall of Famer. And, and uh, so we, we talk about a lot of things and I bounce a lot of things off of him. And uh, he's he's fantastic with that. But uh, uh, some other guys, Reggie, Reggie uh, Witherspoon is a good friend of mine who's uh, currently the head coach at Canisius and been around great, great human being. Uh, and so I, I we talk often uh, just about a lot of different things. Guys like uh, Steve Moore, who I played for in college, is in the Hall of Fame as a Division three coach. Been in a lot of situations. I bounced some stuff off of him. Shaka Smart and I were on the same staff. We have an interesting uh, career crossings. We played against each other in college. We coached against each other in the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. And then we were on the same staff under Keith Dambrot at Akron. So I've been fortunate, been very fortunate in my career to be around some really good basketball minds and some incredible people more than more than importantly than that. And so uh, that's who I usually will go to to bounce some things off of. What's the best advice Dan Brock gave you? Because I'm a man. Hey, Todd knows we Jewish guys. We got opinions now. You stick together. I know. I know. I know. You, I know. I remember you. And Keith, remember you and Keith were tight. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know what the best advice he he, he gave me was. But uh, I learned a lot about uh, just just handling guys. He was really good as a you know he's. He's while you guys are follically challenged, maybe Keith is vertically challenged and he would, but he would not hesitate to get in the face of the biggest, baddest guy we had on the team. And so uh, that was, that was inspirational. So, you know, sometimes you'll see me out in the mix with the guys doing the same. You know, Lamont, you, you last year, you had a decision to make with regard to Silvio De Sosa. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, I'm not sure how many people know him personally, but he really is a, a terrific young man that's had a lot to deal with throughout the course of his, his life. What was the decision like for you as to whether you would add him to the mix at Chattanooga? Yeah, well, I, uh, I'll start it off with he's what an incredible being. Um, his, his just persona, uh, I think everyone should interact with someone like that on a daily basis in their life if they get a chance to. Um, but it came down to complete non-basketball things. I knew what he was as a basketball player and, and, uh, he was really talented that way, but, uh, spoke with, uh, with coach self and, and with Curtis Townsend a lot over at Kansas and, and they had told me a lot about him as a young man. And once I got on the phone with him. And then we brought him to campus uh, uh, to sit down with him. And he's just it's it's hard to explain it's uh, how he impacts you. But if you sit down and talk with him for 20 minutes, it's he's he's an he's an abnormally uh, uh, infectious, positive person. Like the kid asks me how I'm doing and, and, he, and he doesn't do it just to ask. He really wonders how my day has gone and if there's anything that he could possibly do to help make my day better. And so it came down to stuff like that, how he would fit in with our guys, um, uh, where he was at And once I sat down with him for 20 minutes, I knew this was a guy that I could see myself spending a lot of time around. Was he scarred by all the things he went through? Did, did you have to deal with, with issues that, that stemmed from that? He was to some degree, you know, he's young. You forget these guys are they're They're kids at the end of the day. And um, and he was he had gone through a lot, you know, some things I think had had happened uh, around him that he had nothing to do with. And there were some other things that he probably did have some things to do with. But uh, or uh, and it, so he just was handling a lot of things. There were a lot of things that were thrown at him and he managed them very well. But but there's no question that he had 
he he was in defense mode at at one point early, and and uh, it was a great accomplishment and a great moment to be able to build the trust up to get beyond that stuff, and then see who the real the real guy was. Just having fun, hanging out with his teammates, enjoying playing basketball again. He he mentioned that on multiple occasions that he just loved out there every day practicing and being around his teammates for the first time in a while. In a perfect world, you guys, what what do you want your programs to look like? You know, like both of you are, are taking over. Frank Martin goes to the Final Four at, at South Carolina. Obviously, Bailey Don did an incredible job. Mike did an incredible job at Florida, the consistency in which they played, and dealing with obviously the tragedy and, and losing a player right, basically right in front of his eyes uh, two years ago with uh, you know, Gary Hunter Johnson. So, like, what do you, when you look at through a prison, say, right, I always say, you know, when, I, when you talk about a kid graduating, you know, you look at your at graduation, but you look through the prison, you see everything that went on to get you where you want to go. So what, what do you want to have happen to get you where you want to go? When you get there, what is it going to look like? Yeah, for, for us here at Florida, you know, I think it's uh, this is a job that comes with a lot of expectations, right? And there's a lot of great tradition over the past 20 years, uh, 25 years. Obviously, Coach Kruger going to the Final Four when he was here, Coach yeah. Donovan winning back-to-back national championships. There's a lot of expectations here. And I think that pressure, in a sense, is a privilege, you know, to be at a place where you can achieve those types of things. Uh, you know, there, there comes pressure with that. But, you know, for us, for Lamont and I, guys that have worked our way to get where we are, we that's what we want. You know, we want to be in that arena where we feel like we can compete at the highest level. And so, you know, when whether it's this year or the next couple of years, you know, for me here at Florida, I want to have a team and a program that's competing to the second and third weekends of the NCAA tournament. And doing that with really talented, really good student athletes that are uh, guys that are not only great players, but guys that do well in the classroom and guys that represent our university really, really well. You know, I think that's something that's really important to me. Uh, you know, I think we did a really good job that way at San Francisco, making sure that we had guys that not only appreciated the opportunity to compete, but also understood the value of the scholarship and uh, kind of what opportunities they were getting on on our campus. I think here at Florida, we can we can even raise the stakes that way because it's such a good academic school. There's so many resources here, so many opportunities. Uh, so achieving obviously great success on the court while also having really successful student athletes that represent the university well. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm gonna use uh I'm gonna use a C word that has negative connotations associated with it sometimes and, and I'm not sure why, but I, I aspire to this is consistency. I want I want to when you look at my teams six, seven years from now, I want you to know what that product is going to look like. I want it to be consistent. I don't want to be great this year in the rearview mirror another year. I want to. And I said this, you know, during my press conference is that that I'm not sure when we'll get there. I hope it's sooner than later. I believe it'll be sooner than later. But once we get there, there's no going back. We'll 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 be there. So I want to recruit the types of student athletes. I want to have infrastructure. I want to have young guys that know their young guys and and some young guys that are talented also, but some guys that 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 want to work their way into more minutes. And um, but I want to I want to have infrastructure so that it's consistent level of performance, a consistent high level of performance. And like you mentioned, we've had some success here for sure. Uh, Final fours are hard to get to try. I mean, they are very difficult. Um, And so uh, I want to build on that, achieve that again. And then again, uh, uh, perform at a consistently high level. What's the best year that that each of you have had in coaching, whether it's 
as an assistant, you know, the innocent climb, you know, in your career or, or maybe a team that you've uh, been a part of, what, what would you say if you had to tell somebody, Hey, my, my most fulfilling best year was this, what would you say? Well, my, my most fulfilling year was this past season, without a doubt. Um, it was a magical group of, of human beings. And let's take back, I, I take basketball out of it. I mean, I was on two back-to-back final four teams at Wisconsin. We, we played the national championship game. We beat the Kentucky team that was undefeated, right? That had all those stars on it. I don't want to make it seem like that was a small feat. That was great. I really enjoyed that. But the human beings that we had, honestly, it was it was fun. It was fun for me every single day just to, you know, I could find myself sneaking into the, the little 15 minute warm up before practice starts, just listening to their stories and how they interacted and laughing. And, you know, it, this was the most fulfilling season this past season for me, uh, with, without a doubt. We happened to also win a lot of games. And we provided some experiences to these guys that that they had never had before. But it, it was way beyond that, way beyond that. It was a, such a fun group to be around that it was extremely fulfilling for me. Yeah, e- echoing that, last year for, for us, for me specifically, was definitely the most fulfilling from a coaching standpoint. Just having we, – we had and, – and usually this happens, right, with winning teams. We're both talking about our teams, I feel like, the same way. You know, we had a great group. Uh, that that just bought in, that was really excited to be together. We had a, a veteran group in San Francisco. You know, most of our starters uh, were 22, 23 years old. So we had the ability to to coach them a different way where we gave them a lot more ownership of the team. Uh, and, and that was really fun to kind of see them take on on those responsibilities and, and kind of uh, self-coach each other, you know, and hold each other accountable, uh, which, which was great. So that, you know, and obviously just taking that program to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 25 years was something that I'll never forget. But where the year that I learned the most was my first year at Auburn with Bruce. Um, as he got back in, taking over Auburn, which at the time I think was the, the second uh, least successful Power 5 program over the past decade. And I think TCU, right before Jamie got there, was was right below it. And that was it. Uh, and I, I'll never forget getting to campus at Auburn. I just left Columbia with Kyle Smith getting, you know, our first workout being like, man, our talent at Columbia is actually just as good, if not better than our talent was at Auburn <laughs> when we got there. Uh, and so, you know, just being a part of a, you know, his program kind of building it up from the ground up, uh, getting, you know, my feet wet in the SEC, learning about the recruiting piece, just learning how the power five and learning how the SEC operated uh, was a great learning experience for me. And I think it gave me a really good foundation. I ask you guys, NIL and Portal, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Because, I mean, it, it seems like they're connected. How much different is your job today than it was two years ago? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I think it's it's our, you know, uh, I would say it's changed more in the past couple of years than it had in the previous 25 in terms of our profession. Right. You know, and uh, I, I honestly, I think I, I like to separate the Portal and NIL. I think there there's some, there's some things that bring them together. Uh, but you know, obviously the portal was more, you know, has been really important the past two or three years now, whereas NIL, I feel like is just really getting important in our profession right now, maybe in foot, we're probably nine to 12 months behind football that way. Uh, but I, I think the portal, you know, I, I'm, I'm for it in the sense of it gives these guys freedom, right? It allows them to, you know, when I say these guys, the student athletes gives them the opportunity if they want to find another destination, you know, you don't have to sit out, which I think makes sense. You know, I don't, I don't know that there's always a lot of value in a guy having to go somewhere and change residence just to sit out, um, you know, but it also with the COVID rule, one-time transfer exception, there's a lot of things that have changed 
you know, in the past 12 months that have all made it a lot more difficult for these guys when they decide to transfer the, to then find homes. So I think it's one of those things where sometimes, uh, you know, the student athletes think there's always going to be a better option out there. And then they realize very quickly that might not be the case. So I think it can be a double-edged sword a little bit, um, you know, for coaches, it allows us to build our programs back up a little quicker, uh, you know, with uh, some older guys that we are able to get a little more data on in terms of figuring out if we feel like they can play at our level. Um, you know, so I think the portal, it, it can be beneficial to everybody. And, uh, you know, I think it gives guys more flexibility. NIL is tricky. I think it's something that everybody's still trying to figure out on a day-to-day basis, the best way to navigate it. Uh, I think in theory, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I think guys like Johnny Manziel or Zion Williamson come to mind who are here playing college uh, basketball and football. And, and we all know that they generated a lot of revenue for their universities and didn't get to capitalize on that. So I think in, in some ways, uh, when used properly, I think there's a lot of value behind NIL. And it's, uh, it's just another, if, if we can figure out the best way to, to help our student athletes take advantage of it, I think it's something that'll be really valuable over the next couple of years. And yeah, I'm trying to separate NIL from transfer portal. I have not been able to be successful <laughs> at doing that yet. So, I mean, I'm, you're in the portal and, and I've talked to agents, players, agents now, and that's a new thing. And so you have to, you have to adapt and, and adjust to that. And um, so it's, uh, it's interesting um, in some of these conversations and, and you, and I try not to hold any particular thing against the kids. Cause what I find out oftentimes is that they want to do kid things. They want to be recruited. They want to go to college and get better at basketball and improve their situation. And it's the people around them that are more, uh, that are dealing with the NIL more often. And so, uh, while it'd be easy to judge, once you get on the phone with some of these young men and start talking and it's like, hey, this is just what it used to be. Um, but then there are some conversations with agents and with, with you know, parents that are really involved in the mix and whatnot. And so um, I think, I think uh, not to get too deep into the weeds with my beliefs on NIL, I, I do also believe if we could find a, a way to do it, I, I think it has turned into something that was not what it was intended to be. That's my, that's my, uh, uh, my only, the only downside to it, to me, it's being used as a tool for recruiting. Um, you know, if there were a way to do it and that these guys, we talk about all the money that's generated for the universities, but I don't think that's where it's coming from. I don't think it's that they're getting the cut of that. And, and I wish it was for all of them, but um, yeah, I think it's just a work in progress trying to figure out, how we're going to do it, but it is at the forefront of every conversation, uh, even if it's indirectly through another party that I've had with, uh, I'd say the last 20 kids that I've spoken to out of the, out of portal, 19 of them, that conversation is happening within the first 10 minutes uh, of the conversation with me, with them, their parents, usually it's with their parents or with an agent. Are you spending more of your time putting a roster together right now uh, for next year or, or, or actually, you know, kind of working with your team and uh, and getting ready for next season. What, what what's taking up your time right now? Yeah, to, to to me, it's not even close. It's it's the recruiting and roster management aspect of it. Is it's it's ninety nine percent of every waking moment that I uh, have had in the six weeks here has been dedicated to that. And I feel bad. We haven't done near as much with with the guys that are staying uh, in the gym. And it just we just haven't we haven't you know now part of it, we had a tremendous number of, of players that entered the portal, 
But uh, yeah, roster management, just the replenishing my roster has been, I would for the for next year has been, you know, at least 90% of what I've done on it and, and every waking moment. Yeah, you know, we got we got down here uh, middle of March. And so we got a couple of good weeks with the guys that were still here in the program. You know, we kept our there were six guys on scholarship that wanted to stay and we were fortunate because they're all pretty good players and we're really excited that they're coming back. So we got some good individual work with them. But similar to Lamont, when you know, once we got into the week before finals, we're not allowed to be on the floor with these guys anymore anyways. And, uh, you know, the way <laughs> the way it's gone this is roster building time for us. You know, it used to be, uh, you know, just four years ago, uh, we'd evaluate in the summer, um, you know, spend August and September to work hard to get these guys, you know, these high school kids on official visits and do what we could to get, you know, a good class signed in the fall. And then you'd plug some holes in the spring when, when that happened with transfers or maybe junior college guys or whatever. I, I feel like it's shifted tremendously where there's very, uh, are a lot less of a focus on the high school guys right now. You know, like we didn't even, I didn't go out in the spring when we had live period, we were on campus hosting visits, you know? Um, and, and so that shift has changed a lot. And I, I don't think there's going to be as much of an emphasis of signing a lot of high school guys early, like there used to be. And it's going to be a lot more after season every year building, you know, year to year, as opposed to program building where you're hoping to have, you know, some guys, for four or five years, like used to be the case. So you guys actually, uh, obviously, that you, like to me, they're going to be high. This is my own opinion. The high school guys are going to slip through the cracks because people are spending so much time in the portal. We're not looking at the guy where he is now, where he can go. Like what you guys both built your programs on is, you know, evaluating what I used to call evaluating up. You know, so I mean, you know, I always tell guys it, it sounds great, and obviously you need great players, and you want to get you better have a foundation uh, of some sort that when those next group comes in, they can follow the guys in front. Oh, that's how we do it. That's how we act. That's how we prepare. Here's a very important question because Bill is, he'd walk around in shorts and a t-shirt calling games. Uh, are you guys putting a sport coat on, a suit on, a tie on? Are you guys going pure corner zip? Because Bill is trying to get us to do game day in t-shirts and shorts. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's actually – Funny you bring that up because at San Francisco, as, as you guys can imagine, it's a little bit of an older crowd, uh, a little more old school venue. So we would rock the suits at home. We tried to, you know, look very nice. But on the road, as you guys know, I'm, I'm pretty casual with the quarter zips, the Lululemon pants, usually some J's <laughs> on my feet, you know, just trying to keep it super casual. Uh, but Scott Strickland here, you know, he, he's a casual dude. He's, you know, with the vineyard vines. He's, he's a pretty, a pretty <laughs> swaggy dude for an AD. So I think we'll be a little more casual here. Uh, but but that's still up for discussion at the current moment. Sounds like you're working on a couple of NIL deals dropping those people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lulu Lemon, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for the Lulu deal for sure. Yeah. I'm waiting on it. We'll see what well, happens. I, I'll tell you, I went to a Lululemon store one day, and uh, it's not built for me. I'm not built for Lululemon. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. I got some work to do before I can wear Lululemon. But um, yeah, cash. <laughs> I'll say. The next, you'll see me wearing a suit. It must be a wedding. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll be, it'll be cash. It'll be casual. Trust me. Um, just, you know, any activity on the sidelines. It's, it's, I've always, the, what you wear during the game is the craziest thing, right? In baseball, they wear the uniform to coach. Right. Can you imagine us doing that in basketball? Or what if on football they had to wear a <laughs> uniform on the sideline? So it's so arbitrary. It's cash. I like the cash. You can still be active if you need to. Uh, but you look, you know, pretty normal. 
If Billis breaks out Lululemon pants, I'm done. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I might not wear any pants. I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of the coat and tie when the coaches are wearing half zips. I want to go half zips. Just say, if Jay Wright's going half zip, I get to go half zip. I think that should be a rule. Whatever Jay Wright does, everybody else gets to do. It's universal. That's universal. Yes. He's, he's the measure. So what, what do you, when you do get time off, I know you don't have much of it now and you've been drinking through a fire hose lately, but when you, when you do get time off, aside from spending time with family, which we all have to say, what, what do you like to do to unwind? Well, I'm, I'm either the worst uh, uh, good golfer you've ever seen or the best terrible golfer you've ever seen. I haven't figured it out where it is, but I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, so I enjoy it though. I like being outside. Um, I like, I like, it's a, it's a way to compete still. And you can do that even internally. You can play with a group of buddies that, that no one's good or some guys are good. It's different, but you can always have a score in your mind. Or I just love being out there and playing. I grew up, never played golf in my entire life. I was, I've done a complete 180 on golf, but, uh, it's a, it's one of the things I really enjoy doing. So I can guarantee um, you're better than Frank Martin. <laughs> I play with yeah, Frank. Yeah. He doesn't break as many clubs as Frank. Yeah, no, that's true. No, I'm I'm right there with you, Lamont. I'm a I'm a big golf fan, man. And uh I told I didn't bring my clubs down here yet. I wanted to make sure we had uh everything lined up and ready to go for the beginning of our summer program. We'll start with our guys in the beginning of June. But once we get settled and once I feel like the roster's in a good spot and we're uh, we're all teed up, ready to go, I'll, I'll be spending some time on on the course for sure. You know, Todd, people think that people may think that your biggest challenge is going to be, you know, getting to another final four and winning a championship. I think the biggest challenge as the Florida head basketball coach is getting a statue on campus of a basketball player. All there are football statues around that damn place. When is that going to change? I'm already championing the cause for, uh, you know, obviously the back to back squad. I I think, you know, you could put Joakim up there. Al Horford's still playing, which is amazing. He's still playing at an insanely high level. Uh, Corey Brewer on that. I mean, all those guys from that team deserve, I mean, they deserve like a team statue, um, not just, you know, for winning their first one, but the great thing about those guys, uh, was, I think, you know, Joaquin was projected to be, I think the number one or number two pick after that year, they won their first championship and he decided, they all decided to come back and yeah. do it again. I mean, just to think about that. That ain't again. <laughs> no, never. That's what we, it was, it was amazing. I actually, t- when I, when uh, I had the opportunity to talk to Joakim a couple weeks ago and I was asking him about it and he, he said Corey Brewer was actually the driving force behind that. And just him, because Corey came from a, a tough background growing up and the other guys came from comfortable, you know, not amazing, but comfortable backgrounds. And when Corey was the one that wanted, he said, Hey, let's strap it up again. I want to come back and try to win it again. They, you know, guys like Al, Joakim, Torian Green were like, yeah, we got we got to roll with this guy. And so they all decided to come back and do it all over again. But as you guys said, it was one of those things. Uh, I don't I don't think anybody's going to be able to capture that lightning in a bottle again where a guy turns down being a top three pick to come back to college. I don't think that'll happen again. Last question, both of you. And I really appreciate you guys doing this. I'm going to ask the obligatory question because I, I did it three times and I know how hard it is. How has the transition been for your families? Because, I mean, that's a hard thing. I still remember going to South Florida. My wife said, you want me to move here? We're buying this house. That's all. Just boom. All right. She drives <laughs> it. Jay knows my wife. Here's the deal. I'm not coming unless you're buying this. House. I mean, like, how's the transition been for them? Because it is a, 
you know, you're picking up and, you know, you're in supermarkets, you know, everyone, you, you, you know, you get into a routine, you guys are doing your jobs, they're doing their jobs. Uh, how's that been? You know, for, uh, it's been tricky for us. I'm not going to lie, you know, moving across the country, uh, yeah. it, it's not easy. And, uh, you know, my wife and I have two young kids. My son's about to be six. My daughter's about to be four. Uh, so they're staying in San Francisco to finish up kindergarten for my son. They've been out here a little bit and I try to get back there, uh, you know, when I can, but it's not like an easy flight, yeah. you know, especially going from Gainesville. It's not like you can just jump on and get there. Uh, so it's been a little challenging, obviously, uh, for me, you know, my wife, Megan's, uh, she's the reason we're here, man. She's, uh, she connects us. She keeps our, uh, our family centered and does a great job of keeping us all organized and on a great path. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been challenging, but we're looking forward to the beginning of June because that's when they'll be out here for good. And I've, I've got a little easier, uh, job at that. I don't have any children and I'm not married yet. So, uh, <laughs> so it made it a little bit easier for me in the transition, I was able to leave instantly uh, and come out and stay here as long as I needed to. And, and then um, my current girlfriend will be transitioning here. But uh, but yeah, so it made it a little easier for me to do that. But uh, I always say when you have a, a tough product, it's hard to make a sell. I can sell I can sell university and basketball. It's hard for me to sell myself, I guess. Yeah, marriage will change your golf uh, your golf habits. there you go see you knew you knew already when i said i had you knew why i could get on the golf course because i don't have young children if you're getting on the golf course with two little ones i made that move from long beach to, to, to tampa you get on the golf course with two little ones i'll tell you one thing you better not mess that up because if you to do that you're doing something right. Because I got, but, what, do you, what do you mean? I haven't seen you in three weeks. You, you, the kids yeah. are here. You're going to go play golf? But that's that's <laughs> when you tell your wife beforehand, if your wife doesn't know anything about golf, which mine didn't, I just tell her, geez, it, just, it takes seven hours. What, what am I going to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> got to be all in. Seven hours, I'll be back at sundown. There you go. There you go. Smart hey, man. Smart man. Hey, hey, thanks for doing this, guys. Thank you so much. And, and good luck. And uh, Like I said, we can ever help you. But, I mean, it's an exciting time uh, when you make that transition and, and, and change jobs. It's invigorating. And uh, enjoy it. Because that's why well, you work so hard to get the opportunities you get. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having us. I, I greatly appreciate it. Appreciate all the support you guys have given me and our program over the years. And uh, excited for this next little run here. Yeah, now here. that you guys are now that you guys are big time head coaches, you can turn down like this. You don't have to do this. <laughs> I mean, we, we got you before you're, you we've got you before you figured out. You can say, forget that. I want the big time yeah. stuff. Hey, yeah, Bill's his advice to every yeah, Bill's advice to ever. As soon as this, the final four is done, we're done with the last wrap up, and he goes, No. Yeah, exactly. You ask me to do something, just say no. That's the most important <laughs> word for any person to use. No. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. we'll 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 get we'll get more familiar with it as we like that as we get a couple more wins in this. Yeah, say no all the rest of them. You have fun with this one.